Welcome back, podcast friends and family. I'm so excited to be back in your earbuds. I have moved to an every two week publishing schedule. And while it has given me the space I need, I also miss you guys in between. So I'm happy that this is a week I get to be in your earbuds. I have a very special guest, Melissa Baker, who also goes by Honeybee. She is a multi-passionate certified health education specialist, digital wellness teacher, and author who lives in Gainesville, Florida. Along with teaching yoga, meditation, and fitness to kids and adults, she hosts health retreats and corporate wellness initiatives. Her business, Oracle Wellness, has helped her achieve her vision of bringing wellness to diverse cultures and groups. She's passionate about helping others access and connect to their inner technology through yoga, meditation, and movement-based therapies, as well as creating harmony with their outer technology. Her new book, Conscious Adulting in the Digital Age, shows how we can integrate technology into our lives in a way that supports our highest self. Digital wellness is such an important topic, and I'm so happy that I'm able to talk this through with Melissa in this episode. We could all use a little break from technology. I know you're listening to this on technology right now, so please don't stray away from it. You'll learn a lot, and then afterwards you can take a much needed break in the way that it works in your life. Here we go with Melissa. All right. I'm so excited to be here with my friend, Melissa Honeybee Baker, and really dive into the work she's doing in digital wellness. It's so important. Uh, Even as I prepare right now for a hurricane coming my direction, I find myself constantly on my phone. So I'm really happy to let my phone go for a little bit and have this conversation with Melissa. Thank you so much for being here today. Yes. Thank you so much. That is right. Digital wellness is important. And especially in times of tragedy or or in uh, fear, we tend to go to it, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's not like we're finding any relief from the fear. We're just (laughs) distracting ourselves. I don't know, but we'll dive more into the analysis of that right after you tell us what true wellness means to you. Yeah. True wellness means a lot of different things and it's very simple. So in Ayurveda, the sister science of yoga, it's described as a science that is bringing harmony into one's life. So I very firmly believe in that sense of wellness is bringing harmony, um, especially in tune with nature. And when one thinks of nature, they may think of the green and the outdoors. Yet my perspective is right now in the modern world that we live in, there's a lot more to just being in harmony with nature. And that harmony is with our screens in our digital life as well. So when I uh, think of wellness, I think of harmony in our on our life, in tune with nature, in tune with how we're living in body and mind and spirit, and also in the reality and in our digital world. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think of just you saying the words harmony with nature just the thought of being on my phone seems so out of harmony with that. So I love that we're having this conversation. Sometimes we just need to like zoom out because we're so zoomed in. And so I really love that we're having this conversation. Let's start with, for those who don't know you or your background, let's first start with sort of your journey up until now, what kind of led you to where you're at now? Yeah. So I'll kind of share in the eyes of digital wellness, because that's the theme of today. Um, Well, the first 
step in my journey growing up in Miami. And then I moved to Orlando when I was eight. And throughout all that time, I'm, I'm a millennial. So I grew up with TV running and my dad owned a business. My mom was on the computer working for that business. Um, and then she did a lot of work on the computer eight hours a day for her job. So I just grew up around screens. It was just a part of our life. There wasn't necessarily boundaries with it. With it. There wasn't um, anything that was set in stone as far as you can't do this or you can do this. Um, so there's a lot of freedom for me around technology and screens, you know, the Saturday, Sunday night or Sunday morning cartoons <laughs> kind of life. Um, and then when I was in middle school, the flip phones, you know, we were gearing away towards from the beepers and going to the cool flip phones and, um, and then to the iPhones. And so, yeah, I grew up kind of in the midst in this kind of pivotal age for children to develop their own sense of self. Um, I was also developing the sense of self on my phone. And so throughout high school, you know, looking back, I very much had an addiction <laughs> to my phone and a lot of my friends, it was kind of, it was a normal addiction, kind of like smoking cigarettes um, back in the day was just a very normal thing. There wasn't anything wrong with it. Um, and then in college that continued and um, I developed, I was in into bodybuilding. So I did bodybuilding for a little while. And a lot of that was skewed because of social media and body image and how I'm supposed to look and how I'm supposed to be. So there's a lot of things that were unpacked after the awareness was brought to it, the light was brought to it of, oh, this is actually not great for my health. And now I have an eating disorder. And now I have this, this morphed idea of how I'm supposed to look and how I'm supposed to feel. Um, so there was a lot of just therapy and internal work around that. And that's kind of how I got to yoga and meditation. And I've always been active. And in 2010, in while I was in high school, I got a um, scoliosis surgery. So I have two titanium rods aligning my spine. So that taught me at a very young age, the importance of my this physical health. And then coming into college and learning about spirituality and, and going out of college and still continuing that path. Um, brought me just a lot more awareness around, hey, these, these, this more holistic and wholesome perspective of health and wellness, and B, to the importance of how our relationship with our devices, whether it is computer or Netflix and TV or our phones, can really, really have a huge impact on our health, if not managed properly. And so, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my story and just how I came to this topic and came, became really passionate about it really through my own, um, just missteps and misguidance as I was a young adult and, and teenager and child. Really, really interesting. And I appreciate you sharing that journey. And I share a lot of similarities in that. I mean, I remember just the TV just being on loop all the, it was just all the time. And then yeah. that's just all I knew. And I didn't know any different. And now 
if the TV is on, I'm like, is there a reason we have this on? Does somebody need this? Because if not, I don't want to listen to it. And I think that there's a, a shift, but along with that shift, as you've said, then we didn't have smartphones. And so now it's like, okay, a lot of our generation, younger generation uh, than me, you're a little younger than me. <laughs> um, yes. You know, we are noticing that, okay, no, we, we don't necessarily want the TV on all the time but we aren't necessarily noticing how often we're using the phone. So I was going to share a few stats. You probably know um, all of these as you researched for your book, which we'll get into, but Mm -hmm. some were just a little bit shocking to me. On average, Americans check their phone 344 times per day. That's once every four minutes, which is intense. Um, mm-hmm. cause if you think, I mean, we're all busy doing things, it's not like we're all just sitting around, but somehow we find the time because of what appears to be an addiction to do that that many times. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, 74% of Americans feel uneasy leaving their phone at home. 71% say they check their phones within the first 10 minutes of waking up. Um, let's see, 64% use their phone on the toilet. That's a majority, <laughs> a majority are taking it into the restroom. Um, and 45% say that their phone is their most valuable possession. Mm-hmm. It's almost like very sad. So there's a ton of stats that are all very, very shocking and staggering and probably worsening. I'm guessing that that may even, I don't even know how old that information is. So it might be worse. So tell me a little bit about what, as you researched for this book, what, um, sort of shocking information came to your, through your line of vision and your consciousness and your awareness, um, to, to understand the depth of problem this is. Yeah. So, and the thing about digital wellness is that there's so many different ways to approach it. It's, you know, someone can approach it from the algorithm standpoint and how the algorithms are, programming to have us see information. Another person can come on to it as, you know, our mind is just a very vulnerable, uh, just as human beings, we're very susceptible to this technology and and having it um, be just so prevalent in our life. And so the, the way that I approached it, and I think the most, the thing that was shocking to me was that it wasn't shocking to me. <laughs> a, a lot of it just through my own, you know, digital detoxes and and doing doing things, experimenting with taking breaks from my phone and noticing the anxiety or stepping away from social media for a year, moving from an iPhone to a flip phone. A lot of these through my own self-discovery when I read some of these statistics and just looking at the world that we live in, it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's surprising and it's, and it's not, um, it's, it's just more known now. And I just, I feel so grateful for the people who are researching these, the way that we're using technology and how it's affecting di- different areas of human consciousness and awareness and attention and, um, in children. And there's so many, again, different angles to approach it. Um, but the angle that I took was how it's confirming these situations and experiences that I had in my own life. And the book is kind of half autobiography and my own story, other people's stories and what they've experienced. Um, and just that validation of, you know, therapists have had issues with being on their devices. No one's perfect with it. And again, we're very susceptible to being on it often and it being an addiction. 
Um, so I just feel grateful that there is more research coming out now and there's more long-term research coming out now to see how it is affecting our brain and the way that we think. Um, and yeah, bringing more awareness to where we can improve as human beings and on the standpoint of the makers, the, the big tech companies. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's gotta be some level of accountability on them, right? Like they understand what they're doing to society. Um, but yet it's a moneymaker and then we live in a capitalistic society. And so that's, what's going to happen. Let's back yes. up a little bit because before this book, you actually went through a course for digital wellness, right? What, mm -hmm. what was that? I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. So I think this yeah. is very fascinating. What was that? And what was some of the um, teachings? What was, what was that geared towards? Yes. So I'm going to even back up even more. So I've been writing this book for about seven years and the first like four years or so, it was a lot of what am I even writing about? You know, I'm sharing these experiences, but is it, is it really, is it valid for me to be sharing these? And is it, um, are people really going to learn something from this? So those first four, four or five years, it was a lot of just journaling and writing and mixing things up. And where's the direction? I don't know. Is it about spirituality? Is it about our screens? Um, and then I dove, there was more research coming out. So I got that validation that I needed. And then I, um, there's something called the Digital Wellness Institute. And they are a, a institution that focuses on research back science, as well as teaching people how to be educators of digital wellness. So I partly took the course because it was just divine. <laughs> it was just, I fell into my lap and I, I knew it was starting, you know, the week, it was the week or two before it was starting. And it was just kind of meant to be in that way. It was just the exact timing. And the other reason is because it gave me a sense of direction on where to go with the book and just some more security and knowing that the information that I'm sharing is true and is um and is of very much importance to not only millennial generation but I've had people tell me in their 60s and 70s that they've benefited from the book and, and even you know high school students or people in college can relate to this so um, so yeah, the course is from Digital Wellness Institute. Highly recommend the the course, and it was a about a year long of studies. Um, and yeah, and then I got a certification at the end that was a digital wellness educator. Um, so it just gave me that credential that I needed to push the book out there in the world. <laughs> I love it. I didn't realize that was in the middle. Um, well, and you know, books are often a a journey and long journey. Yes. And so that's really kind of cool that you, you knew that there was a passion for writing the book. And then in the middle of all of that journey, you were able to, to hone in, um, some even deeper teachings from an actual course, which is really cool. So yes. tell me in your life, since you have focused in on this probably more than most, I think a lot of people have a level of acknowledgement that this is a problem, but don't necessarily know what to do about it because it's ingrained in our society. Like we have to, you know, know what's happening in our email and people, there's an expectation of the quickness of response of either a text or an email. And a lot of times that quickness of response will dictate whether your customer sticks with you or tells another customer, you know, and I, I totally speak to that because 
I am one of those people who, if it takes a really long time for you to respond to me, I know I can probably find somebody who will respond faster, but I also realize that that's contributing to the problem. So, (laughs) um, tell me a little bit about now we've talked about acknowledgement. We've read this, some of the stats, we know that this is a problem. Most people without even knowing the stats know that this is a problem. So what's sort of the next step for, you know, sort of the lay public like myself who we don't know what to do to change it. Cause we feel like we're, we're so invested in it. So yes. talk, talk us through a little bit of that. Yeah. So I say this a lot in my book and it's, you know, you know, this just doing the work that you do is everyone is at a different place in their life and it goes, it's the same thing with our phones, with our devices, with the way that we work, with the way that we leisure and play with the way that we create Um, with just the way that we live in general, everyone's at a different place with specifically with their screens. So there's not necessarily a one size fits all for changing screen time habits. Um, For that person who has that overly abundant email and just hasn't opened emails in, in years or months or whatever it is, the aspect of digital decluttering may feel appealing to them and doing, you know, 10 or 15 minutes a day, making it realistic for their life um, is something that might be helpful for them or that person who has a full pictures when they start to take a picture and they, you know, get frustrated because they can't take a picture because their pictures are all full. Maybe deleting some pictures is where they want to start. So it does take some time in that sense, whether it's digital decluttering or spending a day or an evening away from the phone. And I think it's just a lot of little things in our life. We have a charging station. So most of the time our phones are living at this place in our house where it's the charging station and so that's where it is our three and a half year old doesn't really see us on our phones very rarely does he see us on our phones in the house at different places especially in the bedroom um and so just being a teacher of of that and in our household and just creating those places where it's easy to not be on it all the time um And then lastly, which I briefly just mentioned was the aspect of a digital detox. So sometimes the way that disconnecting from a phone is doing it in kind of a harsh way of just turning it off and maybe even having your husband hide it or whoever, someone you don't know, and just letting it go for a day or a weekend or sometimes longer, just depending on what you feel like you need. Um, some, there's a person I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but they call it a, uh, tech Sabbath. So they come from the Jewish tradition, but turning the phone off or keeping it away for Friday night and Saturday morning, afternoon, and they do that every single week. So everyone has a different way of approaching it. Again, it's just a matter of fitting it into your life. If you have kids, if you have a job that requires your attention all the time and how you're preparing to not be on it. And then taking that step to not be on it and then how you're returning to it are all really, really important. Yeah. I love some of those things. And it reminds me kind of like when I talk to people about nutrition, you know, when they just feel overwhelmed, like, I know I need to eat more, you know, fruits and vegetables, but you know, and I'm like, what if you could just add one color one time of day, you know, like it's just <laughs> small baby steps. And I feel like there's a, a, you know, very similar parallel here is what, what small thing can we do? And I've done that a few times where it's like, my first step was just moving my phone out of like the area next to my bed. So I 
I couldn't just wake up in the middle of the night and be like, Hey, I wonder, I wonder what, you know, what's happening with the hurricane right this second. I don't need to know that right in this second. And if it's yes. not next to me, I'm not going to get up and go get it. Or, um, when I went to a, for my 40th birthday, I went to a sort of a meditation spiritual type area in Austin, Texas, and they had little cell phone sleeping bags and um, <laughs> you would put your phone in the sleeping bag. And it was just like, it doesn't need to you know be called that, but it's just a like visual reminder of everything needs a rest, including, <laughs> including mm-hmm. your, you know, digital life. So yes. I love the doable small steps because it, otherwise we feel like, well, this is part of our life now. This is just what it is. We may not like it. We may not want it, but this is just what it is. And as business owners, you know, I think we feel an even heightened level of, of expectation, but also we set the expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can set the expectations that it's probably, I'm not going to be available after this time during the weekdays and on the weekends. And so we have the ability to set those expectations. Absolutely. And something just as far as work goes is that there are studies done that even the mere presence of a phone can affect our attention and how deep we are working. So even like you were saying, even just with sleep, the same thing goes with having a phone next to you while you're on your computer doing work, that mere presence, not even if it's beeping or buzzing, even though there's that phantom buzz effect that also can happen where you think your phone's ringing, um, but just having it sitting there can have an effect on your attention and how deep you can get into work or a project. So there is there is definitely a reason for having those boundaries. And, and another aspect of that is how much we are consuming, right? Are we waking up in the middle of the night and checking our phone or how much media are we consuming versus how much, especially as business owners, are we creating and how much are we, are we creating on this, on this digital platform or just in our life in general, um, that's, that's fueling us because if we're consuming and consuming, there's not a lot of space for us to really expand our, our minds, our hearts to create as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So important. And then we feel like we need to have a full 10 day retreat to make it happen where we really <laughs> right. could just create time in our regular lives. Yes. What are some of the impacts? So we've kind of said, okay, we've acknowledged and identified that there's a problem. We've talked about some, you know, very doable ways to start to resolve or at least change our habits around this. Um, but what are, why is that important? So what are the ramifications, consequences of us not being attentive to this, us not being conscious of this? Um, if we just continued and continued with what we're doing status quo, what happens, what happens to our brain, what happens to our relationships and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so each of the chapters in my book goes through one of these different like ways that it affects our health. And, you know, I, I mentioned my mom growing up and she had a, her her knee surgery and has had things partly because of sitting for eight hours a day. And there's other effects that can happen physically just with the strain of her eyes. If we're looking at a screen, at a screen, um, you're talking about the aspect of sleep. Blue light is, is a real thing that if we're on our devices, or even if we're looking at a television, um, the effects of us falling asleep, it takes us longer to fall asleep and we don't get as good quality sleep. And there was a recent study that I read about in children and how watching a TV right before bed can even lead to behavioral problems and, in and misdiagnosis of ADHD and just attention, attention disorders. Um, so there's, there's many different ways it can affect 
different parts. And I think that during COVID, there was definitely an increase in how much reliance we had on screens. And I am that believer that screens are not necessarily bad. And um, I don't write it from that perspective in my book, because I think that they absolutely have a place in our life. It's just how we are using it in the mindset we are bringing to it. So I think even more than than being on a screen, it's the mindset and the um, almost the meditative mind, the aspect of awareness and the consciousness around how are we feeling in our bodies while we're using the screen? And do I need to get up and go stretch or, you know, oh, I've been on social media for five minutes and I feel unfulfilled and lonely and depressed and I need to put it away and forgive myself for doing that and go take a walk or just go outside. So I think it really is not necessarily pointing and shunning technology. Um, though I can, I can understand that perspective very much. And I've been there in places in my life. Um, and it's about that balance and how we can bring it in, in a way that's fulfilling to us, right. And, and integrates into our life. Where we, where we feel the benefit of using it instead of drained or disconnected um, then to ourselves, to our relationships, to, to our life in general. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me, we, it's like, we've held the, the title of your book. We've held it back, but because of what you just said, I'm like, we need to actually say it because the book is <laughs> conscious adulting in the digital age. And I love the conscious adulting part because well, first it's obviously for adults, um, but it's, I mean, it's teaching adults also had to be models for, for their children, but the conscious part I think is really important for us to dive into. And we can, maybe we could do that a little bit before we wrap up, but some of what you just said kind of speaks to that, which is being aware of, Hey, I've been scrolling for five minutes and I am feeling very lonely and sad. <laughs> and I see my son doing this It with social media. He'll go through periods where he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what I just did. I don't feel good. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and sometimes I'm impressed that he's being that consciously aware. And it teaches me sometimes like, yeah, you're right. I don't think I ever feel good being on social <laughs> media either. So talk to us a little bit about, cause part of your journey you mentioned was sort of the spiritual component. And I think, I think that ties into this. So talk to us a little bit about the conscious consciousness part. Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the beginning, part of my journey was spirituality and getting into yoga and meditation. And, um, some of you may have heard of Michael Singer, or Mickey Singer, um, at, at, who has the temple of the universe and author of the untethered soul and surrender experiment. Um, he, that, that place being in Gainesville, Florida, where he is, was definitely a part of my journey and just the ability to let go of these identities. So the conscious part in conscious adulting is related to our ability to be aware of what we are thinking, what we are feeling, how we are doing in our body, how we're feeling in our hearts, and aware of not only internally, but our reality, our external environment. And I had an internship while I was in school where I was, the job description was 40 hours a week and it was mostly on a computer. And I came in with a sheet of paper that said, look, <laughs> I'm going to have a stand-up desk in here. 
I'm going to have my crystals. I have two titanium rods in my back, which gives me a good excuse to move all the time. Um, so I made it very clear that there was, okay, I'll do the work that I need to do on a computer and I need to take care of myself. And I think that no matter what environment that we are in, whether it is sitting around a table at a, at a dinner table with everyone on their phone and you being the only one without it, um, or whatever the situation is, is that example of leading with awareness, leading by example, um, by not being that one on your phone or sending those nasty messages on Facebook to the person that you don't really know, um, to taking a step back and, and being aligned with a, with your values, with the person's values and what's really important in their life. And I do think, and I believe this from personal experience, that it does take stepping away from devices every once in a while to connect to that part of yourself that is not on them all the time. So that consciousness comes partly from <laughs> taking a step back from the devices, being in nature, surrounding yourself with real people that you love and care about, or, or going on a 10 day retreat. Maybe it's that for you. Um, but it's taking a step back from that world, a digital world and coming to a place of, okay, this is, this is who I am. And this is how I want to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think we get so distracted by the content that lives on our screens that we forget who we are, what some of our passions are very much similar to being in a, a, a job that is, you know, sucking the souls out of us. And we, <laughs> we have been doing it for so long that we don't even remember what it is to not do that, or we can't envision a way to not do that. And I feel like our phones are, we're like getting sucked into a world uh, way more so than I feel like our parents' generation with the TVs, because the TVs were kind of like in the background, we'll glance at it every once in a while, but we are like actively engaged in this very small screen in front of us. And it's not really just background noise. It's like, we're very focused in on it to, and, and we're minimizing or completely ignoring everything that's happening around us and inside of us. So yes. um some people describe it as a second brain. <laughs> yeah. It's like you a know, different, it, different than our parents' generation, like different than what they, cause I, you know, I have heard that argument a little bit where it's like, are our parent, you know, like, are your parents always watch the news? Your parents always watch, you know, whatever, Laverne and Shirley. And, and I did that too. Like I watched Oprah. I mean, I watched some of the shows, Yes, but it, it's just different. It's just a different consuming behavior of the content, um, yeah. and the impacts on, on our wellness. So I so appreciate that you wrote this book and I, it's such an important topic and it's so funny how we, how we establish these habits and then we realize, oh, we need to go back to our roots again. So let's talk about how to get back there. And I, that's true of so many aspects of our life. This just being one. Um, yes. so yeah, I'm super excited that this, that this is out into the world and that you have graced us with this. So is there anything that I have not asked or touched on that you would like to share before we wrap up? Um, one thing that came to mind just as you were talking is the act of tuning into your own inner voice versus asking Google for everything or just relying so much on the devices. And that can be a very, very simple change that someone can make is, is instead of picking up the phone when you want to ask Google or just have this habit of going onto Instagram instead of, instead of 
closing your eyes or just taking a step back and connecting with yourself. So doing that, you know, once or twice a day when you find yourself, even if, if the habit's already there and you pick it up and you're on it, to put it down and to ask yourself, you know, what, what do I really need? What is it that I'm, my, my body, my mind, my spirit, what is it that will feed me right now? Is it Instagram? Sometimes, sometimes it is. My therapist friend, she talks to people all day and that's what recharges her is just looking at other people's lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and other times it's not. Other times it is talking to your husband or child that's sitting right next to you or or cooking a nice meal or doing a meditation or yoga practice or whatever fuels you and, and lifts you up. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll I love that. that. <laughs> I think that's so important. And I, I talk to people a lot about when you're sort of inundated with, I need this much water and I need this many, you know, fruits and vegetables. And I need, because the society tells me I need all the things and I need to exercise this much. And it all seems so overwhelming. So we just don't do any of it. And sometimes (laughs) we just check in, like maybe right now our body's not telling us we need water right this second. Maybe that's not what we need at all. We just really need a break. We just really need to quiet the external noise and that's doable. And we don't need all of the things right this second to do all of the things. And that that Google would tell you, you need. So I (laughs) um, appreciate that. I think that's so important. And that's a muscle. So for those of you listening, if you're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to listen for that. Um, That's just a muscle that takes time. You know, as you do it more, you'll, you'll get more in touch and you'll listen more and you'll receive more messages and know how to have an open heart to receive those messages. So don't give up because the first time you feel like your mind was chattering too much and you couldn't listen. It, right. it takes time. Everything takes time, but I promise this time will be well worth it. So thank <laughs> yes. you so much for joining us today, yes. Melissa, and for sharing your insights and this amazing book with us. I will put all of the information in the details of the show. So you all know where to get it and how to get it. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Melissa for sharing this important message with us today. I know that I can do so much better in my own life, both personal and professional with setting boundaries around digital objects in my life and how much I consume off of them. And this is such an important reminder and catalyst for that. And I hope it has been that for you as well. Have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll see you here again next time.